Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're working through the book of Ephesians. And if you remember, there is a turn in the book of Ephesians where in chapter 4 it talks about living out a life worthy of the gospel. And as we unpack what that means in chapters 4 through 6 and including our passage today, I want to start in a little bit of a strange place, but I want you to trust me that I know what I'm doing. I want us to begin by thinking about drunk driving. I want you to think of that a person consumes so much alcohol that their driving becomes impaired and they drive in a way that is very dangerous. They might be driving significantly slower than the speed limit or changing speeds erratically. They may be weaving or running into objects and generally making poor judgments. Why? Because they are intoxicated. Because the person is drunk. But if you're arrested for drunk driving, and don't worry, I confirm this with our own now detective, Grant Walker... According to Washington state law, the charge is not drunk driving. The charge is driving under the influence. The reckless driving and the poor judgment happen because the person is under the influence of the drugs or alcohol they have consumed. And it's that idea that is actually going to help us understand our text today. So as we continue to look at what it means to walk the Christian life, we're going to be confronted with this question. Under whose influence do you live? So let's look, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 15. And we're going to see that we are to walk in wisdom. Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 15. Follow along as I read. Look carefully then about how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, in some ways, this passage is a continuation of the previous passages of chapters 4 and 5, you see the continuing use of walk that we've seen again and again throughout these two chapters. And again, as we've talked about this metaphor of walking through life as, as a way to talk about the life that we live and everything that we do. So verse 15 begins with this command, look carefully then how you walk. And can we consider that phrase for a moment? Look carefully. There is a necessary aspect of intentionality and attention to detail that we need to have when it comes to our Christian life. Too often our problem is is that we simply aren't thinking through what it means to be a follower of Christ in the different situations in which we find ourselves. Maybe because we've been believers for a long time, we simply put on our spiritual cruise control or we are overly committed to what we have just always done. Maybe our problem is that we are just not thinking about what it means to follow Jesus because we honestly have other priorities that are more important that crowd out our faith. From whatever reason it is for you, 
I want you to consider these words from Paul to look carefully at how you walk. And the first category that Paul gives us under this rubric is this idea of wisdom. Now, obviously, this category runs throughout the books of the Bible, particularly we think of Proverbs. But also we think of books as Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Job. All of these are considered wisdom literature. And so the believers in Ephesus would have some background of what godly wisdom is. But we also see Paul add to this conversation in the following verses of what Paul means when he talks about walking in wisdom. So verse 16 We see that we are to make the best use of the time. As one author summarizes this command, believers will act wisely by snapping up every opportunity that comes. If wisdom, using the ideas of the book of Proverbs, that wisdom is following Jesus and the fear of the Lord, then we are called to take every advantage and every opportunity to follow Jesus. Every opportunity you have to be obedient to the commands of Jesus, every opportunity you have to serve others, every opportunity you have to share the good news of Jesus, this is what it means to walk in wisdom. To use an example from John Piper, perhaps the best author of book titles alone, don't waste your life. The wise person is the one who is looking for ways to live out wisdom by following Jesus. And again, I think that's a different way than we think normally of wisdom. And I want you to add that to your understanding of wisdom, of am I looking for ways to obey Jesus? That the wise person looks for ways to serve others. And Paul tells us that we should do this because the days are evil. This phrase speaks to the fact that we live in a sinful and fallen world. We have not yet reached the inheritance of heaven. There are people who are hurting and people who have never heard about Jesus, and therefore we must make the most of our time. Can I suggest to you that especially when you face the challenges that exist because we live in a sinful, fallen, and broken world, that you view them as opportunities to make the best use of the time of following Jesus in both word and action. Paul continues this picture of wisdom in verse 17. He says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Here the call to walk in wisdom, do not be foolish, is contrasted with understanding what the will of of the Lord is. Now I know there's some confusion about what does it mean when we say the will of God or the will of the Lord. And I think context helps us understand what using a guy named Kevin DeYoung's categories of will of desire, meaning what does God want you to do? How does God want you to live? This idea that we saw last week In chapter 4, verse 10, what is pleasing to the Lord? The wise person doesn't just say, what do I want to do? The wise person, first of all, says, 
What does God want me to do? What is pleasing to the Lord? That is wisdom. Now, it's at this point in the passage that Paul makes a transition to talk about another category. And that is what I'll call today walking in the Spirit. So let's look at beginning in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now again, if we were just reading this along, we might hit a speed bump here of like, why are we talking about being drunk? But Paul takes this warning about drunken recklessness and loss of inhibition to focus how on when you are drunk, you are not in control. Again, going back to what we said in the direction, you are under the influence of that substance. But rather, instead of being under the influence of alcohol, be under the influence of the Spirit. So when you see the command, be filled with the Spirit, see it as a command to follow the leading and influence of the Spirit. Again, as one author writes about this, Paul's readers are urged to let, them, to let the Spirit change them more and more into the image of God and Christ. One of the reasons that I began with talking about this idea of influence is because I think that when people say, be filled with the Spirit, uh, probably many of us have heard many explanations for that. And many of them are wrong. And so I want us to focus on what are some guideposts to help us understand the work of the Spirit because the work of the Spirit is so easily misunderstood. And so when it says be filled with the Spirit there, I want you to see be under the influence of the Spirit, following the leader who is the Spirit. And what follows from 19 to 21 are more concrete expressions of what this looks like in practice. So when I am under the influence of the Spirit, here is what I would do. So let's begin in verse 19, the first part. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. God's people have always been a singing people. We see as early as Exodus 15, Moses, he sings a song after God brings the people of Israel through the Red Sea. And so it's important for us to know why do we sing, not just because we've always done it. And in what may be a surprising explanation to us, Paul begins, because he's going to say more in a second, but don't get ahead of me yet. One of the reasons that we sing, according to the beginning of verse 19, is that in songs and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, we are addressing one another. We are to speak to each other in our singing. You know, I'm thankful for the work of our praise team that they put in every week because what this part of the passage is telling us is that we need to speak truth to each other through our corporate singing. And so Glenn and the team takes a lot of time of 
singing songs that speak quality truth, recognizing that we are to speak truth through our songs to each other. And so one of the questions we ask as a praise team is what songs will edify our people And we think especially of what songs that we want stuck in their head during the week will actually edify them to become more like Jesus. So I picture all of you singing in your cars down the highway. And I'm like, what song do I want them to sing in their cars? Now I want to take a moment to talk about the three nouns that Paul uses for singing here. So he talks about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. As one author notes that these three nouns have been used to describe the full range of singing which the Spirit prompts. To give you an example from this in my own life, the hymnal that I grew up with actually arranged its songs according to this rubric. And so there was a section showing you how to sing the psalms that we were chanting. It was a a high church church. And then there were hymns, and then there were what they called spiritual songs. Now, if I want to get into a fight, I'll show you some of the ones they called spiritual psalms that some of you may call hymns, but that's for another time. Is Amazing Grace a hymn or a spiritual song? Discuss. Okay. Um, And that's when the fight started. Okay. Here's what I want us to see from this example is there has always been an understanding that there is a variety of style to the singing that we do. At a base, you only need to look at the various cultures who have been Christian. The songs you grew up with are different than the songs that Chinese Christians grew up with. And so at a very minimum, because the gospel is for all nations, our songs will be different. But it also understands the variety that have been given to us throughout history of people writing truthful, gospel-centered songs so that we can sing truth to each other. Because that is what's most important. Not the style of what we sing, but what we are singing to one another. And so we are under the influence of the Spirit when we sing with and to each other songs that speak God's truth as a part of our transformation to be more like Jesus. Now in the second part of verse 19, Paul adds another aspect to our singing that I think will feel a little more familiar to you. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And not only do we sing to one another, when we sing together, we are singing worship to the Lord. God has given us the gift of singing so that with our hearts we can offer praises to the Lord. We think of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 which says, Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Let us remember that singing praises to God is under the heading of being under the influence of the Spirit. 
The Spirit empowers our worship and in a sense sends it to God as acceptable praise. This can include an emotive time of worship when we particularly feel close to God. That is one of the beauties of music is that it can connect with the emotive side of our being. But more importantly, we need to understand the place of praising God in our spiritual formation. The discipline of singing must include praising God, and as I praise God, I am following the leadership of the Spirit, and therefore I am being transformed to be more like Jesus. When you praise God for his love and provision, that changes you. When we speak truth, when we speak God's truth back to him, we are further brought under the influence of the Holy Spirit. This leads us to verse 20. Again, another expression of being led by the Spirit, and that is giving thanks always. Look at verse 20 with me. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul adds in here this idea of giving thanks as a part of a Spirit-led life. We've seen this before in the book of Ephesians. We saw this last week at the beginning of chapter 5. So we understand that giving thanks is not limited to singing, but we can also see this as sort of a middle ground, that it is also an area in which we can thank God through our singing. And we must recognize that singing is a wonderful platform that God has given us for thanking him. And we also, at the same time, must recognize that all of our speech must be saturated with thankfulness to God. This is highlighted in this verse, as the thanksgiving is to be done always and for everything. Thanksgiving is an everyday discipline for the Christian. Always speaks to the regularity or continual nature of this thanksgiving. It should be a part of everything that we do. And if that wasn't clear enough, on top of always, we are to be thankful for everything. This reminds us of James chapter 1. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God's people are thankful people at all times and for everything. Do you have a reputation as a thankful person? Do we as a church have a reputation as a thankful people. The person who is truly under the influence of the Spirit is regularly giving thanks to God. Now it should also be noted that the reference to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ completes the reference in this passage to all three persons of the Trinity. Again, as one author writes about this, Christians filled by the Holy Spirit give thanks to God the Father on the basis of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for his people by his death and resurrection. Are we a people full of thanksgiving? This leads to the final expression of being under the influence of the Scripture in this part of the passage, and that is, in verse 21, we're going to look at this idea of mutual Submission. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The fourth descriptor of being filled in the Spirit is submitting 
to one another. Now, in one sense, this is a caption for what is going to come at the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, known by many as the household codes, uh, which are in the New Testament a few times. And so we're going to see how this works out in marriage and family and work. But for our purposes today, I want to focus on this idea as a general principle. That I want you to see that the voluntarily, voluntary humility that is displayed by those who are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. If you are following Jesus and filled with the Spirit, you will submit yourself to another follower of Jesus. There is a necessary life of negotiation that marks our lives with one another. So often as I am thinking through my interactions with others, I think of the word deference. That we need to regularly be showing deference to others, allowing their idea to be done or for them to make a certain decision. It's similar to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Is your life your way or the highway? How often do you defer to the wishes and plans of others? We should take notice that what motivates this activity is that we do so out of reverence, literally fear, for Christ. Out of a healthy, appropriate fear of God's power and judgment, we live the way that he wants us to live. And this is a wonderful phrase that runs throughout your Bible, of living in the fear of the Lord. And if you truly fear the Lord, you will regularly, humbly, and voluntarily submit to your brothers and sisters in Christ. I think this is especially important to note in our culture, which is completely driven by niche marketing. Our lives are so customized around our preferences and opinions, we are often stopped in our tracks when we don't have much choice on anything. In a culture where we have so much choice, we need to be committed to submitting to one another out of the fear of the Lord and love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to give you a picture of what this looks like. Some of you might be aware of this. I know because you've asked me about it when you started attending this church, and some of you might not be aware of this. But oftentimes... The relationship between a former pastor and a current pastor can be very difficult to maintain and do well. Sadly, church history has many stories of unhealthy relationships between retired pastors and current pastors of a church. One of the reasons that Pastor Dave and I have been able to maintain a good, healthy relationship over these past nine years is because both of us are committed to submitting to one another. Dave and I are different people with different ideas. Understatement of century. <laughs> but when we disagree, and most of the time we can do this without any of you even knowing, <laughs> or when we have to work together, we show deference to one another. 
There are many times where I have deferred to Dave's opinions and he to mine. I have submitted myself to Dave and he has submitted himself to me. We do this because this is the right thing to do. The thing Jesus wants us to do. We do so out of a fear of the Lord, not our fear of each other. We do this because it builds the other person up. It builds unity in the body. And it causes both of us to grow to be more like Jesus. And I want to invite you into that same category. That as you submit yourself to one another, as you show deference to others, as you sacrifice for others, God will use that to transform you to be more like Jesus. And as you grow to be more and more like Jesus, you will experience more his joy and peace in your life. Living under the influence of the Spirit means that we will submit ourselves voluntarily and humbly under our brothers and sisters in Christ. A couple thoughts as we close this morning. Number one, walk in wisdom. God's people are called to pursue wisdom and live according to wisdom. The Bible is full of wisdom, of a life, of living life in a way that is pleasing to God, and that wisdom never disappoints. One step you may need to take is to immerse yourself in the wisdom of the Bible. When I was in junior high, I remember receiving this reading assignment. The speaker at this youth retreat said, hey, guess what? Some months in the year have 31 days. And guess what? The book of Proverbs also has 31 chapters. Guess what, guys? July has 31 days. That's a way to dip your toe into the wisdom of the Bible. One chapter a day for the month of July. Now, maybe you're pretty familiar with Proverbs. So maybe finding the wisdom around suffering in Job, or the wisdom around marriage and intimacy in the Song of Solomon, or the wisdom of life, of worship, waiting in the hope of Jesus, and wisdom for the times of pain in the Psalms. Or in Ecclesiastes, when you need wisdom for what is worth pursuing. And not only those books, Paul in 1 Corinthians calls Jesus Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. If you want to know what the life of wisdom looks like, look at Jesus. Don't rely on your own wisdom or the wisdom of this world, but rather make the best use of the time and understand what the will of the Lord is. Secondly, live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Whose influence are you living under? We need to be people who live under the influence and leadership of the Spirit. This passage gives us some categories for what that looks like. 
Now, obviously, outside of this passage, we could look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here, Paul lists for us other ways to think about the Spirit's influence. In our corporate worship, are we singing praise to God and singing truth to each other? Are we known by others as people who give thanks always and for everything? Do we submit to one another out of the fear of the Lord? This is what a life under the influence of the Spirit looks like. What does your life look like? As followers of Jesus, we must live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us. God, that we would walk in wisdom, that your spirit would empower us to live a life that understands the will of God for our lives. And that we would walk under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That we would sing truth to one another. That we would sing praises to you. That we would be a people known for our thankfulness. And that we would submit to one another out of the fear of the Lord and the love of our neighbor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching this video from Hillside Evangelical Free Church. Our hope is that these resources will help you grow as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We're located in Green Bank, Washington on Whidbey Island. And if you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to have you join us. You can find out more information at our website at hillside-efc.com.